Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. I'm, I'm really excited this summer. Um, we've been jumping into the book of Colossians, and hopefully you've had a chance to read it. If not, then Doug is going to um, give you an F, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if we have a grading system or not, but um, I'm just excited. I, yeah, the conversations that I've had as, as we engage in this book as a community, and I think about the epistles... Uh, and Colossians is one of these letters that Paul wrote to a church, and they were meant to be read together. They were received as a community and read together. And it's amazing to me that in these letters, they're written for a very specific purpose, for a particular context. Uh, they're very occasional uh, and situational. They're being written to address a situation that's very, very specific, and yet, here we are 2,000 years later, still reading these letters, and they speak to us, because the Holy Spirit is in the process of the writing, in the process of the sending, in the process of the reading of it, and even some of the situations that they faced, we live in these parallels, and they still speak to us. Uh, and so I love that we get a chance to read this together as a community. And last Sunday, the, the Lansdale House Churches reunited. And it was a great, great Sunday to see a Lansdale House Church that was one house church uh, a few years ago is now three house churches. And we reunited. And we actually read this letter together. And I, I just had this surreal feeling as we were reading it that, like, this was what it was probably like for the church in Colossae to read this together. And I don't, there was a part at which, toward the end of the letter, Paul's writing um, to Archippus, um, who was part of that church. And I'm sitting next to a guy whose name is Chip. And Dave read is like, to Archippus. And I was like, Chip, that's you. <laughs> but I just, yeah, I had this sense of which this letter continues to speak to us. And so we just continue to, to be shaped by it. Um, and Aubrey, who's going to be teaching with me this morning, uh, shared this with me. Um, this is from Melissa Flora Bixler, and she's writing about reading the scriptures together. And she said, there's a posture of vulnerability toward both the Bible and the communities that form around it. It's a disarming position to take. And it has been this way throughout the history of the church. Augustine explains that the work of interpretation is not for instruction alone. It is for creating a temple out of God's people. So as we read the scriptures together, we are being shaped into people who bear the Holy Spirit, which God's presence inhabits us and sends us out into the world. And this is a task as we read scripture together that leads us toward love, pouring soul into soul. We do not sit and wait for angels to inform us. We sit and we talk and we read the scriptures. And Augustine tells us this is love itself, to discover the Bible with one another. This is love itself, to discover the Bible with one another. 
And I would take it a step further. It's not just discovering the Bible. It's discovering the God behind the scripture, the God in the scripture. As we discover him together, as we read together, as we discuss together, this is love itself being formed in us. So we do it as a community and we are transformed as we remember and also encounter afresh the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, I would ask that you would open it to Colossians 1. If you don't know where Colossians is, you can look at the table of contents um, at the beginning of your Bible. Or if you have your phone, that's pretty easy <laughs> too. I have to say it's been quite an emotional morning um, whew, for a lot of reasons. With Christy and Christy and Kelsey up there and Clyde too. And um, Christy's thought of God holding all things together and there has to be brokenness. And I've had a lot of things this week, a lot of friends, um, a particular friend, just a lot of brokenness in that. Um, so God does hold all things together. And so I'm grateful to be here this morning. And I'm grateful that Ben asked me to teach um, and to share with you guys and to have some interaction in the middle of the teaching um, about where you see the gospel. So let's start with Colossians 1. Let's just dive in. So if you have your Bibles open, let's start with this. Um, let's start in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and we have heard of the love you have for all of God's people. This faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven, and which you have already heard about in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So Paul is bursting with thanksgiving because he has heard of their faith and their love, which was a result of their trust in the gospel. It may be easy for us to quickly pass that word gospel. We probably have heard that a lot. Um, but let's stop and think about what Paul meant when he was saying that word. Last fall, if you remember, I think it was last fall, we talked about the gospel, this good news. So let's do a quick review with Paul and see what he meant during the time that this letter was written. So in the book Colossians Remixed, the authors write, the word gospel that Paul uses in Colossians is the very same term that the Roman Empire reserved for announcements of military success and pronouncements from the emperor. So this word gospel, or this good news, was the emperor's ability, in essence, to keep people in control and to keep order. This was good news for some, the privileged, but it was not good news for all, um, including those who were defeated. Paul, however, in Colossians, is using the word gospel to mean a different type of good news. N.T. Wright states in his book, Simply Good News, the good news, this gospel, is not defined as good advice or just good morality. Rather, this news refers to an event that has happened in the world. Early Christians used the term good news to mean how the one true God had acted in the world, in the incarnation, which is just a fancy way of saying that God becoming flesh, a human. Also in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and how God would act in the world, changing it radically and forever. In summary, God was coming, the present, to the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God would come back to finish the task, to be all in all, to fill the world with his glory and his love, and to heal and make all things new. Today, some find this scandalous. Some find it boring nonsense. 
while others discover that it unleashes God's power and unveils his wisdom. So the readers of this letter had hoped in this gospel. They had confidence that it was good news for all. I think of the angel's pronouncement when Jesus, when they said good news of great joy for all people. And because of this hope, faith and love are pouring out as evidence of this good news. So if you notice in verses 4 and 5, Paul shares, Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, this faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. So I was reading through these verses. I thought about an underground spring, right? The, the, the water flowing. And Paul says this hope is like an underground spring that doesn't run dry. And you can't stop it from bubbling up. And what bubbles up? This faith and love. It can't help but rise up. Maybe you've been around hopeful people. They tend to have faith and love. First, they have faith, which can also be defined as trust. They have faith in themselves, and they have faith in others. And this faith is sustained by the ever-flowing source of hope. Second, hopeful people also tend to exhibit love. Again, this love for themselves and love for others, which is also sustained by this spring of hope. But now I would like for us to do some interaction. So earlier in, um, during the opportunities, Ben mentioned um, that we're going to have a chance for you to share where you have seen the gospel. Um, and the question was, what produced in your life or in someone else's life? So I guess we're going to go around with the mic. And we'd just love to hear from you guys. Maybe you wrote it down or maybe you have it just in your mind. Where have you seen the gospel produce fruit? Recently, historically? Boys, hello, yeah, four boys, uh, teenagers and up. And um, as some of you who know me well know that, you know, I'm going through a lot with our 19-year-old right now. And, um, you know, we're seeing some hopeful things. But, you know, I was saying, like, today in the sharing time, like, there are times, like, I don't feel like I'm holding it together. And I'm very aware of God, like, holding me together. But, um just in the reading of Colossians, like it, it talks a lot about like um, our mind seated, it, our mind being on the heavenly things. And so like we haven't seen like any like major breakthrough, like he's gonna like be like, you know, stop some of these behaviors necessarily right away, but, but what I'm seeing in myself and, you know, even like in looking at Colossians is that when I'm in the midst of this, kind of all this junk here on earth that, you know, my mind can be, you know, I can rise above that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Christy. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, sometimes it isn't um, completed, this hope. We don't see the end always. We still have hope. That's right. Does anyone else have a, a story, an example? Yeah. Thanks. Um, I think it's more just like my faith journey. I was saved when I was 17, and it was also about, I think, when Ben was talking a little bit, just like when God, through the Holy Spirit, you see the, the glory of the gospel. And I think my life was on a perfect, perfect success trajectory from the world's view and an absolute train wreck from God's view. And... At 17, God got a hold of my life and saved me from just like 
countless, countless amount of pain and agony to the point where on my 21st birthday, my mom and my dad had a prayer. At, at that point, I was already like, I believe for a couple of years, but just in tears because they truly believed that I wasn't gonna live to 21 and not really knowing that impact of now looking back, you know, 17 years later, the fruit of the gospel in my life and not forgetting the day that the Lord was like, you're mine. Mm-hmm. You know, still, you feel it. And it's just the glory and, the, and celebrating baptism is just fresh. Amen. That's right. Thank you for sharing. Um, this church and this community, um, my husband, <laughs> um, yeah, is amazing. And his faithfulness and um, obedience and humility um, have produced this beautiful daughter, <laughs> this beautiful church. And um, every year seeing a being in, in um, their in person or seeing the video of the baptism um, and just the connections and I know the health and hope that this community has brought to people. Is that what it's? Thank you, Megan. Yes, yes. Yep. Yeah, I'm learning about my identity and I put my identity in what I did for a living and things that I did. Now I'm learning that my identity is a child of God. And uh, that's where my roots are gonna grow best. And um, so I'm working on changing my beliefs through scripture. And that is becoming like one of the greatest gifts I've received is finding out who I really am. Hmm. George, thank you. Absolutely, our identity, yeah. Amen. Well, um, when I think about seeing the gospel in my life, in Megan's life, I don't know if people know kind of like our walk and so forth. We've kind of have our marriage. So after we got, we got married, we were a Christian, but we dated for three, four years. We were not Christians and we were talking about getting married and I, and we talk and to this day, I still don't know if we had not accepted Christ. I don't know where we would be because our foundation mm-hmm. of marriage was not built on Christ. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just have seen the gospel bear fruit in that aspect in multiple areas in our marriage, as well as our extended family. And I mean, by no means, nothing is perfect. However, we know that every day we wake up, we have the Lord, and um, it's just, we know that that foundation is there. And every day, I'm just so thankful that I have a beautiful wife and child, and we're in an amazing community of believers, such as Renew. So that's just how we and I've seen the gospel play out in our lives and just also thankful for the community here where people are truly involved in your business and in a good way. So thank you. Thank you. George, amen to the identity. Uh, I can be my own worst enemy and, and those around me can be enemies as well. If I value, if I put the value of what I think they think about me higher than what God thinks about me. And so the Lord is changing that in my life. And my God runs to me. 
my God adores me. My God calls me his own. My God calls me a son and I am blessed and I am cherished and I am loved. And that sustains me. And I'm so thankful. Um, a paraphrase of, uh, I think it's, I don't know, somewhere in Corinthians, it says, Paul writes and he says, I don't care what you think about me. I don't even, I don't even care what I think about me. I care what God thinks about me. So amen to an identity in Christ washed in his blood. Amen. It's nice to soak all that in, isn't it? To hear from each other. And I know there's plenty more. And so I ask that you would share with someone. I know not everyone feels comfortable to share in front, but maybe share with someone in your house church or someone this week. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I think that we honestly could be done. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Ben. I'm, I heard a theme when you guys shared. The theme was there's, it didn't happen quickly. It didn't happen right away, right? Fruit takes time. Fruit doesn't happen overnight. Um, at the women's um, discussion, podcast discussion a few weeks ago, we um, talked about God as the true vine. And Neil, and Neil and Rachel, they were able to bring us an actual vine. And on that vine, there were little tiny grapes, <laughs> you know. And I, I think a lot of us were struck with, oh, yeah. When we go to the grocery store, we get grapes, right, full size. We forget the process that it takes time. So I think that was a theme that I heard and what a lot of you guys said. This takes time. This isn't overnight. Fruit takes time. But what do we do when um, some of the situations in our life and the lives of others don't appear to be bringing forth this love and this faith? What do we do in that situation? Um, as a counselor, I often hear very heavy things things that could really contaminate this spring of hope. Recently, I was sitting in a counseling session with an individual who was crying and discussing the horrors of war. This individual has never shared these things previously. Do you think there's enough hope to continue springing forth faith and love in that situation? Or will the weight of this contaminate the spring? One week after our son was born, my husband woke me up from a nap and told me that our dearest friend just had their first child. But instead of rejoicing with them, as we had throughout our mutual pregnancies, my husband informed me that their baby was not doing well. And their little girl died a few days later. Is there enough hope to continue springing forth faith and love in this situation? Or will the weight of this contaminate the spring? A few years ago, do you remember when the new 202 was built and it was opened? I remember driving on it when it had first opened. Much of the land that had been used to build it had been home to animals. But driving it on those first few days, I saw a few dead deer on the side of the road hit by vehicles. And I remember feeling very sad. I kept thinking about how we have treated our planet and oftentimes the lack of consideration for it. Is there enough hope to continue bringing forth faith and love? I wonder what your example is, either in your life or someone else's life, when you have wondered if the weight was too great for the gospel. Maybe the intense grief related to a loss, the shame, 
yet the tight hold of an addiction, the trauma of sexual abuse, the loneliness that can be felt within or without a marriage, chronic pain or illness, I have to admit that I couldn't stay with a gospel that couldn't withstand the weight of these contaminations. If the gospel can't handle this weight, then what is the point of being here? Why are we sitting here this morning? And yet, just like you guys shared, I stand here and confess, along with numerous others throughout the world and throughout history, that I trust this spring of hope, this good news of God revealed in the person of Jesus, and this is good news to all people. This hope of glory is a person. In verse 27 of Colossians 1, it says, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Yeah, and so hope is a, a key theme uh, throughout the book of Colossians, uh, as Aubrey's pointing out. And the, Col- the, the Colossian Christians are being celebrated for their hope. <laughs> Uh, and their faith and their love. But Paul is also reminding them, just as we had an opportunity this morning, to remind ourselves, whether it was in the stories that were shared or the maybe the memories that played through your brain as you thought about what difference has the gospel made in my life. And we often think of hope as a very future-focused thing, but hope is not mere optimism. And yes, hope is a future. It is forward thinking that things will get better. The hope of eternal life being fully with God. The hope of glory. And this is a beautiful thing. It helps us persevere that future hope, that future hope that we have. It helps us persevere. And I have hope that Jesus will make all things right, all things new, so I don't despair. But hope isn't purely future because hope is also rooted in memory, which is why we took the opportunity to remember, and which is why Paul is encouraging the Colossians to remember who Jesus is, his supremacy, his accessibility, his sufficiency. And he's also calling them to remember their own lives and how they've been impacted by the gospel. It's important for us to remember Hope is rooted in the past. What God has done grounds our hope in what God will do. It is the evidence of God's faithfulness, his goodness and love. And we see that most clearly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But hope isn't just future or just past, it's also present. The transformation, the bearing of fruit of the gospel, the work of the Holy Spirit is happening right now. So we share the ways we're seeing God at work right now. And one of the key messages of the book of Colossians is don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Have you ever heard that expression? But in the middle of Colossians, he says, set your mind on the things of heaven. Why? Not so that you're just continually looking forward to that day, but so that you can pull that hope into the present and live it now. We want to live heaven's realities now. Paul writes that we have been reconciled to God. We are made right with God. The Bible over here. Later in chapter one, said, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body as a result 
He has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Notice that is a very present tense sentence. You are standing right now in the presence of God, blameless and without fault. And so you live that heavenly reality in this earthly existence right now. This isn't escapism. We live it because Jesus is alive and lives in you. The resurrection is a present reality because Jesus rose again. And as Paul writes, he is in you now, the hope of glory that changes things. It springs hope into the presence, which springs out in faith and love because of the one who is alive in the present. Hope springs forth and hope continues to spring forth more hope. The spring of hope is not stagnant, it's not dry, it keeps running. I wanna go back to the examples that I shared before Ben spoke and talk to you about where I have seen the hope since um, it's been a few years since these examples happened. In the first example I shared of the individual uh, in the PTSD related to war, I see the hope in this individual sharing what had been hidden for so long. I see the beginning of trusting others enough to have faith in sharing. And I'm beginning to see the love this person can start receiving despite the guilt and shame. In the second example I shared after the situation with their child, I remember these friends distanced themselves from us out of their own grief. It was really difficult and I remember crying because there was nothing else I could do but wait and have faith. A few few years after the births, we received a letter from them. And then we slowly started corresponding with them back and forth. And eventually we saw each other again. We were all really nervous about this reunion, but it was a reconciliation because our love for each other was deeper than the resentment and the anger that could not contaminate this spring. And my third example with the deer that had been hit by a car, I have to admit that I sometimes am unsure how to see the hope. But I have seen individuals live in small ways so as not to make such a heavy footprint on this earth. Wendell Berry, in one of his essays, writes, the real work of planet saving will be small, humble, and humbling, and pleasing and rewarding. Its jobs will be too many to count, too many to report, too many to be publicly noticed or rewarded, too small to make anyone rich or famous. That sounds like God's kingdom, doesn't it? And so in the midst of all these examples of God's work, the evidence of the deep well of hope, how can we not burst with faith, love, thanksgiving, and praise? You may be familiar with the hymn-like quality of the passage in Colossians 1, and Christy mentioned that too when um, she was leading worship, which may be, as Ben mentioned, an early, it may be an early church hymn. It may not be original to Paul. I wonder if Paul was unable to contain himself because of this deep well of hope. So as we end our time in Colossians this morning, I would like us to experience these words of praise that are found in Colossians 1. But in a a minute, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes if you feel comfortable. In a book I recently read, Fire by Night, Finding God in the Pages of the Old Testament by Melissa Floral Bixler, she writes, darkness and light are the language of the eyes. Sound may provide a truer metaphor for understanding what our encounter with God is like. In seeing, we can avert our eyes and look at only what we want to see. 
but there is no escaping hearing, even in the dark. So if you, if you feel comfortable, I would invite you to close your eyes as we finish our time in Colossians and hear um, some of the ending verses. We give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. For the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this good news. This is the gospel you have heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and which I, Paul, have become a servant. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.